Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Colossians chapter 3, I'm excited about this. I'm so excited I can slap myself, but I'm not. Colossians chapter 3, I'm starting a brand new series on our identity in Christ. And I'm here to tell you and announce, it is going to be life changing. I want you to take notes. I want you to... to uh, Look at, at, at Scripture because it is absolutely, and I'm serious about this, going to change the way you view God, view yourself, your circumstances. Because one of the greatest things, I've, I've, I've been preaching for, for 25 years, pastoring. One of the greatest messages I've ever brought that has brought more freedom than almost anything else is messages on who we are in Christ. Can you hear an amen? So let's go before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what you're doing at RCC and every family. We thank you for growth. We thank you for vision. We thank you for families being restored. We ask you to anoint our ears, anoint our hearts, and anoint your word with signs and wonders. And I thank you for wholeness in everyone's life at RCC. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read it in the NLT version, Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read at verse 1. Say amen if you're there. All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1 through 10, but it's going to be in the NLT. So if you have a tablet, you could switch the the version to the NLT uh, for us so that you could uh, follow along. If not, just follow along on the screen. I'm trying to change it there. Give me a second. Okay, here it is. All right, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Now listen to this. This is the key verse right here. For you died to this life and your real life, say my real life, say the real you. Is hidden in Christ and God. Let me say that again. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Turn to someone next to you and say, your real life is hidden in Christ. That's the real you. That's the real life. Not the you that you're sitting on the pew right now. Your real life, glory to God, is hidden in Christ. Now, this is going to blow your mind because it's not what you do that determines who you are. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Now, this next verse, I used to read it for years, but I never got the connection until last, uh, a couple years ago when I started studying identity. God now goes into a list of things not to do. And I almost thought, well, here's another list of things not to do, not things not to do. But he's actually telling us a list of what not to do based on your revelation that you're not that person. It's an identity principle. Listen, he said, so, put to death Sinful desires, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. Now, now all these are the list, right? Now, he brings it back to why he's bringing up this list. For you have been stripped of your old sinful nature. Nature. And, it's, and all this wickedness. Put on your what? 
new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. Glory to God. Obedience is now expected from God from a standpoint of identity, not from a standpoint of duty. Obedience is now expected from Jesus to us, not because we have to, because you have a new nature. It's about, it's not what you are doing, so to speak, that is making you who you are. It's who you are, who God says you are in his image. And because you're created in his image, he's saying, turn away from wrath, turn away from anger, turn away from foul language. Not because it's just a to-do list, because sinners could do that every now and then. People that don't know the Lord could restrain themselves. He's like, no, you don't do this because it doesn't fit your identity. It doesn't fit who you are in Christ. So it's the the revelation of who you are will fuel obedience because you're like, wait a minute, this is not who I am. And I'm yielding to these things. I'm looking to these things to satisfy me, but this is not who I am. It's absolutely essential in our walk with God to have a revelation of our identity in Christ. Why? Because most, I'm here to give you great news, most bondages, most counseling sessions, most, uh, most addictions can be rooted out if we just know who we are in Christ. You will spend less time in counseling meetings, you will spend less time in rebuking sessions and in fear if you just know revelation who you are in Christ. Not that counseling is wrong and not that rebuking is wrong, but I'm telling you, most Christians are rebuking something because they don't know who they are in Christ. They're rebuking and they're casting out and they're going to counseling. And you know what the counseling is basically telling them? This is not who you are. Oh, okay, thank you. But you can't know who you are in Christ if you don't know the scriptures because the only source that gives you your identity, listen, I'm going to bring healing to you, just hang, hang with me, is the word of God. So if you don't know the word of God, you don't know and you won't know your identity. You'll be defeated. You'll be walking with confusion. You'll be settling for things when you shouldn't be settling for things. A lot of Christians are settling for things as that's the card that God gave them when they have no clue that it's not the card that God gave them. It's because it doesn't fit their identity. But because they have false identity and they don't know who they are in Christ, they resort to coping with those things. I'm preaching good too early here. Our biblical identity is our God-given inheritance. Now, identity is defined in Scripture as who you are, not what you do. I have great news for some of you, all right? Some of you need to actually strip pride from this. Your identity is not determined by your vocation. It's not determined by your job. It's not determined by your gifting. It's not determined by what you do bad. It's not determined by what you do good. So sometimes we get our identity by what we do good, especially men. Look at what I did. Look how many things I did. Look at, what, look at all this. And we get our identity on all the triumphs we do. But when those triumphs cease, then we get depressed because we are only identifying ourselves on the good things that we do. And when we don't do the good things, we cease to realize who we really are. And so we get our identity from, and, and pastors, if we're not careful, we get our identity by how many people are here and how many people are not. I used to have that years ago. I used to struggle with my identity because I used to see the church half empty. And I used to say, there's something wrong with me. And God's like, you got it all wrong. The church could be one person and you're still a child of God. You're still greatly beloved. But I had to get rid of that because identity solves almost every issue in your mind when it comes to self-worth and all these other things. Identity is not who you, uh, what you do is who you are. I, I, see, I hear people all the time saying, i got to go on a journey. you probably heard this. I've, I've got to go on a, a journey to find myself. 
I got to, I just, you know, I got to get away, and I just got to find myself. Let me tell you something. You're going to find yourself, and you realize you're still the same person you were before you left. Because if you, you don't need to go on a long journey to find yourself because you're not going to find yourself. What you need to do is get in the long journey of Scripture, and then you realize, oh, my God, that's what God says about me. And all these doubts and all these um, fragile things that you think about yourself is going to be eliminated as you realize who we are in Christ. Come on, say amen. As we realize who we are in Christ, you realize that some people may label you bad things. May, may get, you may get your identity by what other people say, good or bad. Here's the thing. Some people uh, have, have labeled you certain things, and some people have labeled you good things. Here's what I find out. I'm going to give you a pastoral admonition. Don't gravitate to either one of them. Not the good, definitely not the bad, but don't even gravitate to the good. You say, why? Why don't gravitate to the good? Because if all you do is gravitate to the good compliments, like you're smart, you're pretty, you're handsome, you're strong, you're going to be like, oh, I like that guy, I like that person. You're going to continue to go to sources other than Scripture to feed the good compliments, and when the good compliments stop, you start getting confused. When the good compliments stop, you're like, well, I, I thought I, they don't like me anymore. And now your world is consumed with by what other people think you should become. Because you're so used to subliminally going to, wow, you're strong, you're pretty, you're handsome. And if you're not careful, if you don't also reject that part of it too, I'm glad you receive it. Yes, receive it. But don't let it shape your identity. Because if you do, you will stop reading the word for who you are, and you start looking to people to compliment you. Oh, that's so good. So I'm going to give you today three main points when it comes to identity that will absolutely set you free. Because condemnation is not your identity. Shame is not your identity. The sum of your experiences is not your identity. See, a lot of us, we've gone through so many things that it has shaped who we are. And that's true. I'm not going to deny that. Experiences will shape who you are, but it doesn't define who you are. Do you hear me? Experiences shape who you are. You're probably a little bit more angry because of experience. You're pretty more harder. You're pretty not more trusting because of experience. But just because you've been shaped that way doesn't mean you're defined that way. Once you realize that, your eyes will be open. You're like, oh, my God. Nothing in this world can alter the plan of God for my life. So the first point I want to make is the real you, we're going to put it up on the screen. The real you is hidden in Christ, and in Christ you have a brand new identity. The real you is hidden in Christ, and you're in Christ, you have a brand new identity. That, word, that phrase, hidden in Christ, is the beginning reality to understand everything about your identity. You are hidden in Christ. Say, I am hidden in Christ. Say, this is my identity. I am hidden in Christ. See, some of you haven't had that yet. You have not. You, you identify yourself by your failures and not by you being hidden in Christ. For those of you who are born again and are saved, the Bible says by his blood and by what he did on the cross, you and I are hidden in Christ. You are hidden. Say hidden. It's like this. Come here, Donnie. Come here, Donnie. He wasn't expecting this. Right? So, so Donnie, stay, stay right here. Here, right here. And just stand. Right. So here's, here's you, all right? Here's, here's you. Me, me is you. 
when they people when you don't know your identity, you're gonna allow people to say, "Oh, he's a failure. He failed at this. He 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 did this wrong way. He's always messing up in this area." And you're getting your identity by what other people say about you. And then you you have to be careful what people name you because you'll start being a self fulfilling prophecy of those names. Names are very powerful. Words are very powerful. Things like you're fat, you're stupid, you're never gonna make it. You will take on that identity if you're not careful. Well, they said I'm never going to make it. I said, I guess I am fat. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess that's how I am. I guess I'm never going to make friends. And as long as you don't know your identity, you are going to have pe- view yourself as what other people see you. But if you realize that you're hidden in Christ and all you see is Christ, when people look at you and try to see you as a failure and try to label you as a reject and try to label you as someone that did wrong, the Father sees Jesus because you're hidden in him. So whenever Jesus moves, they see me. Not that, that I am deity, not that I am God. No, is that because I am hidden in Christ, the first thing that the Father sees is Jesus. Not my failure, not my mistakes. Come on, somebody. Not my weakness, not my inconsistencies. He sees I see Christ. Why? Because you're hidden in him. Come on, say amen, somebody. This, this may sound elementary, but... 90% of the body of Christ don't know who they are in Christ. Why? It's proven by what they're striving so hard to do to get accolades somehow. To get brownie points somehow. I used to, I used to have a works mentality because I didn't know my, uh, my identity. So I felt if I worked harder, God would be happier. You know, if I just go to the jail ministry, if I just do the youth ministry, if I just work harder, God's going to be happy. You see, that? see what I'm doing, God? You must be happy with me. Woo! It was a lack of affirmation because I didn't know my identity. And I needed affirmation by doing works. I'm preaching to somebody here. Oh, I'm doing more works and God's going to be happy with me. I want to I prove to him my faithfulness. Listen, you have to do nothing. Even though God wants you to, out of the overflow of who you are. This is a partnership with Jesus, not you doing it by yourself. This is him saying, come on, son, you ready? Let's do it together. Jesus said, I can do nothing if I didn't first see my father doing it. It's the same way with us. The father's like, I want you to partner with me. See that person? We're going to do it together. Lay hands on him and I'll, I'll heal him. But he needs us. If you don't know who you are, you can be like, oh, I, I, man, that's a big one. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a headache. That's cancer. I don't want to pray for I don't want to pray. I've, you know how many people have told me I don't have the faith to pray for cancer? It's because they don't know who you are. You don't know who you are if you're, if you're saying these things. So, so many people that are... Hear me now when I say this. Many people who are, that, that are defining what they're defining as problems is actually symptoms of the real problem. Hear me what I said. Many people who are, who are identifying problems are actually symptoms of the real problem. Here is what, uh, an example. If you have a baby with fever, I ju- we just had a couple of babies with fever, and all you do to heal that fever is throw a bunch of ice on their forehead, here's what's going to happen. The temperature will drop, but it's not going to heal the fever. Because you're just, you're just harping on symptoms, outward symptoms, outward behavioral symptoms. That's what Christians do. We try to cut off outward behavioral symptoms. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to drink anymore. See, I'm not going to drink. No, it's a heart problem. <laughs> you, you, you can say, look, I ain't going to any bar anymore. But you know what? If you have, a, if you have an addiction, you're going to find some way to de- get it. So it's not chopping off the branches. It's going to the root. That's how, the root is unseen. You have to go to the root, and that's where you get the healing. My friends, here's the thing. You know why you can't heal fever with ice? Are you ready for this? It's because fever is an internal reality. So is identity. 
identity is an internal reality. And you will, you, will miss, you will spend the rest of your life frustrated in your marriage and all this stuff because you really don't realize that it's an internal reality. The internal reality is causing us to not know who we are. We realize that we, most people, when they got saved, when you got saved, most people don't know what happened in salvation. You, you think, you just said, you know what, God is good. He's going to cleanse me from my sins. I need my sins cleansed. I'm going to say a prayer. And so we say, you know what, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going to say this prayer. God, come into my life. Woo, you're good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm done. Do you guys really know what happened when you got saved? I'm going to tell you. When you gave your life to Jesus, the very nature of God came inside of you through the Holy Spirit. The nature of God. It's like imagine a syringe and it was liquid gold and that was the DNA of God and it was injected to you the moment you got saved. Imagine that. That doesn't mean you're God. What it means is you have the attributes of Jesus in you through the Holy Spirit. Do you realize when you gave your, real, your life to Jesus, hear me now, church, the same spirit that hovered over Genesis 1, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. But most people don't realize that. Oh, yeah, I know I have the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You don't because you're scared. You're fearful. You're insecure. Do you realize it's not a different Holy Spirit? The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit walked with people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives in people. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You should run around the church with that revelation. This is the hour that we understand. Look at what Second Peter first, Second Peter 1 through 4 says. Oh, this is good. Zach, we could put that up on the screen. I actually may have to look at it because... It says, look, by which you have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through these you, may, you may be partakers of what? Come on, say it. Of what? You are going to be partakers of divine nature. Think about that. Do you know who you are? You have divinity in you. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body, but you are spirit. And so what you have to realize is when we got born again, the Holy Spirit went into your spirit and it became born again. That's why you don't desire things. Do you, do you think that I just woke up one morning and said, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not going to do it. No. When I gave my life to the Lord, something happened in me. And something happened in you. And, and how do you know that something happened to you? Because now you get convicted and you just didn't get, be convicted anymore. Now you're like, ah, I don't. This, this, something is right. And then you feel this purity about you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit breathed life into your spirit. You have the divine nature in you, church. Do you realize that this will help you understand the things of the spirit? Listen, the Bible is clear. You have to know the Bible. You, I have an announcement to make. You are victorious all the time, not sometimes. You are more than a conqueror all the time. Well, Pastor George, I fall into these sins all the time. I'm not a more than a conqueror. No, you're getting your identity by what you yield to instead of who you are. And this is one of my announcements. You are victorious all the time. Why? Because the one who was victorious over sin lives in you. You are more than a conqueror all the time because the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave is living in you. You're not conquering all the Listen, God doesn't call you more than a conqueror because he gives you more tools to be more than a conqueror. He doesn't say, look, I'm going to give you a little extra axe here. I'm going to give you a little extra armor. I'm going to give you a little extra Bible. I'm going to give you a real good Bible. I'm going to give you a real good gift. Singing. Oh, you're going to sing really good. You're going to preach real good. I'm going to give you all these tools. Then you'll be more than a conqueror. He goes, no, you don't have to do anything but receive me as your Lord and Savior. And you're more than a conqueror. 
But if you don't know that, you'll resort to trying harder. Woo. We try so hard. We try so hard. I'm going to do it this time. I'm not going to fail this time. <laughs> fail. I'm going to read the Bible for five minutes. I'm, trust you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, do it. And then when we don't do it, I mean, I'm not a really good Christian. Do you see what happens? Do you see what happens when you don't know your identity? Oh, glory to God, I'm excited. Listen, here, here, I've said this before. We need to stop looking like people that are waiting to go to heaven and start looking like people that came from heaven. This is identity 101. We need to stop looking like people like, I'm just waiting to go to heaven. And start looking like people that came from heaven with the DNA of God and says, you have cancer? I'm not intimidated by cancer. Grab me, let me grab your hand and let me pray for you and let me see the power of God heal you. You have depression? Uh, it's okay. And, and here's, where, here's where, where people mess up. Here's where people mess up. Well, I didn't pray today, so I don't know. Listen, we want you to pray, and God wants you to pray. But let me tell you, you're still a son. You're still a daughter. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. You're still a child of God. You still have the spirit of God in you. Let me grab your hand. And listen, here's the, the, here's the really elementary part of identity. Identity is not based on how you feel at the moment. Because true obedience has no feelings attached to it. There's times where I don't want to read my Bible. Yes, Pastor George, I don't want to read my Bible. There's sometimes I don't want to pray because I'm tired and I'm cranky. But guess what? I still understand that even when I fail in those areas and I don't feel like praising God, that I'm still a lover of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number two, number two, in Christ, old things are passed away and all things has become new. Oh, this is so good for some of you who are struggling. In Christ, old things are passed away, all things become new. Okay, are you ready for the, the quintessential uh, scripture on identity? And by the way, I'm starting this because in a couple months we're going to start our identity classes Again, because this is one of, the, this is one of the, the visions of RCC is to get people free in their identity. Can I hear an amen? Look what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Are you there? It's going to be up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then we're going to jump to verse 20 and 21. Are you getting something this morning? All right, here it goes. Therefore, if anyone who is in Christ, who is in Christ here? Those who have been born again. Those who have received the Lord. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, all things, not some things, become new. Now then, look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. By the way, little, little phrase, little, little um, teaching here for you. Anytime you see the word are, am, is, become, those are our identity phrases. So it's not things that you have to have more of. So when, when Jesus says are, become, is, that means really you don't have to do anything to get that. Does that make sense? So watch this. Therefore, we are, that means you, one of your identities, you're an ambassador, <laughs> glory to God, for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now watch this, guys. Here's identity 101. He made, for he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become What? We might become, not just have, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? Jesus said, listen, when you're born again, your spirit becomes righteous. Hear me now or you're going to get very confused. I told you this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the nature of holiness. There's two types of holiness. There's your behavioral holiness, which is up to you. Because no one's going to stop your hand from, from doing some crazy stuff or killing somebody or smoke. That angel's not going to be like, no. 
That's your positional holiness. Sorry, your, your, your behavior holiness. Your positional holiness is just right here. You were, your spirit was made righteous the moment you became born again. You know what that means? You can never improve on that holiness. It's perfect holiness. Do you realize you can never improve on your positional holiness? Because God gave it to you. You never could outdo his holiness. So the Bible says you and I have become the righteous. Say the righteousness. You know what that is? You are righteous in your spirit. Oh, see, some people don't like that. But you are. You are. You don't know who you are. That's why if you're truly born again, things that you do that are sinful should bother you. Let me tell you something that's very deep. Truth sounds like hate to people who hate truth. Truth sounds like hate to people who hate truth. So when people start talking truth, oh, that's just hate. No, it's because you hate truth. But if you love truth, you will love what he loves and hates what he hates. It's identity, my friends. This is all, uh, it's all in Scripture. We are the righteousness of God. So how do we get transformed? We get transformed in our spiritual identity by, listen, this is, if you're taking notes, get this. We get transformed in our spiritual identity by renewing our mind. It just doesn't come through osmosis. You, you have to renew your mind. Is You have to change the way you think. And once you align your thinking to Scripture, you, your transformation will begin. Well, it starts like this. It starts like this. Our mind is renewed. Then when our minds are renewed, our emotions are transformed. Oh, did you hear that? When our minds are renewed, all that, sometimes you, you do it yourself, you don't even know it. Your emotion is saying, yeah, and your mind is saying, don't do it. <laughs> your, your, your emotion is saying, pick that up, and your mind is saying, chill out. So when your mind is renewed to your godly identity, your, sorry, your emotions change, and when your emotions change, your behavior changes. Think about this. Here's identity. When your mind is renewed on who you are in Christ, searching the scripture that you're the righteousness of God, you're the beloved of God, you're the love of God, then what happens is your emotions slowly start to change because your mind is changed. I'm here to give you a big announcement. Do you know why some of your emotions are out of whack? Because you, the Bible says how one thinks in his heart, so he is. Woo. How one thinks in his heart. That means you have uncontrolled disciplines going off in your emotions because you have not trained your mind to stabilize yourself as a woman of God or a child of God or a man of God that God says you are. You transform your identity by renewing how you think. But sadly, people have programmed their minds, they programmed their brains, hear me now, church, to develop what I call earthly techniques to cope with, hear me now, rejection, to cope with anger, to cope with pain. I have news for you. We were never called to cope with rejection. We were called to kick it out. We were called to eliminate it. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will resort to coping instead of eliminating. Come on, church. This is good stuff. If you don't know your identity, you will cope with pain. Think about this. This is a big difference. How many of you have coped with something let me just ask you, how many of you struggle with something and then you get a revelation? I didn't have to deal with this. But many of you think you do. Many of you think like, well, 
I have to cope with, you know, I have to endure rejection. I have to endure. No, rejection will come, but it doesn't shape who you are. But when you know your godly identity, here's what's happening. You won't develop earthly techniques to cope with rejection or cope with lust. So, some people are like, lust, just, just, just stay there. Just stay in the corner for a little bit. I know you're struggling with me. Just stay over there, and then I have good days and I have bad days. No, you're not called to cope with lust. You're called to eliminate it. You know why? You know why? I'm going to give you. Because it's not the image of God, and that's how you were created. When you look at yourself like, no, I'm in the image of God, uh, the Lord gave me a revelation just the other day, and uh, this is the first time I said this. Do you know the scripture that says, oh, this is so powerful, you're going to love this, Donnie. You know the scripture that says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Okay, what he's talking about mostly is an intimate relationship. He's not talking, Paul the Apostle is not talking about don't, you know, be a light to unbelievers. Don't be a light. No, he's saying if, if, if don't be unequally yoked. Yoked means you had two animals in the old days, and they had these, uh, these um, holes in their necks, right? And they had a bar or a pole that both of them would have equally. So they would have to be equal strength. Hear me now. So they have to be equal strength. This mule and this mule had to be equally strength because if one was faster than the other one, it would cause the pole to go this way and that way, and they were all joined together. It would cause the, the, the things that they were transporting to fall. So it had to be equal in strength, right? So when Paul says, do not be unequally yoked, he was not trying. The, the Lord gave me this revelation the other day. He was not trying to m- have you miss out on fun and exploration, with other people. He wasn't trying to say, I'm just a mean God. I don't want you to have fun with everybody. No, no, no. What he's saying is, are you ready for this? I, 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 I could believe it. He's actually trying to tell us an identity principle by saying, do not be unequally yoked. You say, Pastor George, how is not being unequally yoked? Identity, I'll tell you, because Jesus at one time says, I am the light of the world. And then he shocks everybody and says, now you are the light of the world. Watch. You are our identity, the light of the world. Watch this. You're going to shout if you love Jesus. You are the salt of the, world, of the earth. In other words, I'm not going to give you salt, George. You are salt. I'm not going to give you light. I'm not going to say, here, go, go to the, 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 the store in heaven and get you a pint of light. And there you go. I got a pint of light. I'm going to inject it in myself. There you go. I have a, a few light in me. No. He said, you are light. So watch this. When he says don't be unequally yoked, it's actually an identity principle because he says, you are the light of the world. And light has no fellowship with. It's not about Jesus trying to give you some bad time. No. What he's saying is. The reason I'm telling you not to be unequally yoked is because light does have, has nothing to do with darkness. Now, are we called to shed the light to darkness? Yes, but not to be intimate to the point of having their lives influence you, yours. You know what the Bible says? I didn't say it, so don't get mad at me, and I don't I recommend you get mad at Jesus either. The Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know what the other, another scripture says? Here's for you young people too, some of you adults. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company. I don't even want to talk about that one. Bad company corrupts good morals. Say, I am the light of the world. Now watch this. The third one. And I'm almost done. Knowing who you are in Christ. Oh, this is good. I I saved the best for last. Will eliminate the identity you get from other people. Knowing who you are in Christ will eliminate... The identity you get from other people or other resources or other sources. 
Hear me now. Please hear me now. This is very important. This is why marriages fail. Please hear me. I want you to lock eyes on me. This is why marriages fail because married people are subliminally trying to look to their spouse to give them what God could only give them. Married people are saying, you're not making me happy. You're not making me this, and you're not making me happy, or you're not making me loving, and you're not, I don't feel good anymore. And the problem is that you don't know identity. People that don't know their identity will look to their spouse or to their mate to give you what only God could give you. That's why marriages fail, because you're looking to your partner to give you peace, and they can't give you peace. They're rocked out just as you. They may not show it, but, they, you know, we have those blackout moments. There's only one perfect leader, and that's Jesus, right? Listen, listen, listen. You and I, if you're married or if you're, or if you're dating somebody, he, I'm going to save you the pain. Don't look at that lovey-dovey person you're looking at right now before you get married as your source of everything. Don't look at that person as your, because let me tell you something, baby. One day he will wake up with nasty breath and hair all messed up, and there's no joy coming out of him and no peace coming out of him. If you get your identity, hear me now, I thank God for godly marriages, but we're not called to get our identity by a good, wise husband. Or a good, wise wife. Praise God for a good, wise wife. Praise God for a praying wife. But you don't get your identity from that. Neither do you get your identity by what the doctors say. Neither do you get your identity by your medication. Neither do you get your identity by your sickness. Do you know that I had seizures and I had, I, I had problems in my life when I went to bed because I was scared? But I started thinking to myself, man, I, I, there's something wrong with me. I'm a failure. Man, what's going on? Why can't you hear? And I finally realized it doesn't matter. What the doctor says, whose report shall you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Isaiah. So my point is, it, so listen, listen. Knowing who you are in Christ will eliminate the identity that you have with others. People will look at the outside, but God looks at the inside. Oh, glory to God. I, I want to tell you something. Look, look at real quick, First Samuel, then uh, if the worship team could come up here. I'm going to show you a quick video at the end, and then we're going to pray because I feel the Holy Spirit. How many feel the Holy Spirit speaking? Listen, the, the, listen, listen to me real quick before I go to the scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Knowing your identity will free you from the effects. Hear me now. Please hear me now. I'm almost closing. The effects of the opinions of others because everyone will always have opinions. That's not what I'm saying. It's going to relieve you from the effects of their opinion. Do you hear me? Everyone's going to have an opinion of you. But when you know who you are in Christ, it will relieve you from the effects. Do you know that there's people that, that it, I, identity will solve your self-image issue? Oh, I would have had a good amen on that one. Your self-image. There's people that they don't like themselves because they're overweight. And, they, and, you look at your, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like you, you're always And then there's other people that work out seven days a week and they're still not satisfied. You know why? Because they're slaved to their image. And they could be cut, they could be cut with a six-pack and they're like, I'm fat. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun. What I'm trying to say is that we have to have our identity in Christ, not on our body, not on our image. Do we need to be healthy? Absolutely. But if you're not careful, you will do all the symptoms in the branches and still be unhappy. Why? Because no amount of working out or no amount of food or no amount of exercise can truly give you the peace of God. I got three amens on that, but that's okay. Our godly identity will free us, if your worship team can go up here, from the effects of other people's opinions about us. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
First Samuel 16, this is popular, uh, verse 1. Are you getting something? You still love me? Now the Lord said to Samuel, look at this, this is so powerful. Oh, I love this. This is for you, church, right here. This is for you. The Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected Saul because of the way that he was, uh, his heart was towards the Lord as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Now watch this. Look at verse 6 and 7 in the NLT. Are you there? When they arrived, Samuel the prophet took one look at Eliab. Now the Bible says Eliab was very handsome. He was tall. He was the, listen, look at me. He was the, the, the human choice. How many know we have human choices, right? We think, oh, that's, that's a smart, let's pick him on our team. And he's probably the worst player in the, in the league. Right? But then there's one little guy who's like a little scrawny, and you pick him last, and he's like dunking the ball. You know what I mean? So here's Eliab. He's like, oh, the pro- he even fooled the prophet. The prophet goes, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Watch. He goes, surely the Lord's anointed is un- it's in front of me. But the Lord said to Samuel the prophet, don't judge by appearance and height. Oh, come on, man. Look at this. Don't judge by his stature, his muscles, his cutness, his, his beautifulness, his handsomeness, whatever you want to call it. For I rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. In other words, he says, I know he's tall, I know he's a good soldier, and I know he has the, the, the resume because he's gone through all this stuff, but I haven't chosen. The Bible says a son came more. The second son, and Samuel said, no, no, that's not him. How about this one? And Samuel said all his sons, and he didn't even include David who was in the, in the, in the wilderness singing. And finally, the Samuel said, look, do, do you have another son? He goes, yeah, David. I mean, he's... He's out there. That's rejection. By, uh, that's a whole other sermon right there, how his father rejected David. Because the prophet said, bring all your sons, and he only brought the, the, the five or six of them. He didn't include David. So David came in, came in probably all bees up in his hair, you know, and probably all, uh, you know, grass up in his hair. Yeah, Dad, what's up? What's going on? Probably stinky. You know what the Bible says? The Lord, the Holy Spirit came on Samuel and said, that's the one. Anoint him. And I can imagine the other brother. What? This guy? Guys, yeah, because I look at his heart. That's identity. Identity is not outward appearance. It's inward. And then last scripture, and then I want to have you see a video, and then we're going to pray. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Do you? I, pro- I probably say this about five times a year because it's one of my favorite scriptures. It's such a gangster scripture. Like, out of all the scriptures, this is the most gangster scripture, I think, in the Bible. For real. First, Galatians 1, verse 10 in the NLT. In the NLT. Are you ready for this? It's like a slap in the face. But it's identity. Look at this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. What? In other words, if I choose to subliminally please other people and have them like me, then I disqualify myself from being called Christ's servant. So he goes, I'm not trying to get people's approval. He goes, I love how the NLT goes, obviously. Obviously I'm not trying to win people's approval. You know why he did that, guys? Because he knew who he was in Christ. Hear me now. Hear me what I'm going to say. I have learned, please hear me, I'm closing with this. I have learned, it hasn't been always easy, but I have finally learned to be happy with me. 
I've, I've finally learned to be okay with messed up, goofy, sometimes overweight, sometimes messing up George. It's okay. I, I, it's okay. It's because I don't view myself any longer by what society says I should be. I don't view myself. I used to, but I'm finally happy with me. Do you realize that you can't really offend me? Do you realize that no one really can offend you? I'll tell you why. The only way that they can offend you is if that you, if I need your approval to get sustain life, if I need your applause to sustain my joy, if I need your pat on the back to sustain me. But if I know that I'm accepted in the beloved, and if I know that I am his, then how can you take away something that you never gave me? You can't take away my joy because you never gave it to me. You can't take away my status in God because you never gave me. Even if you say you're a failure, you're a failure. You should have done this by now in God. Thank you, so-and-so, but I am beloved, and you can't really offend me. The, way, the reason why we're offended is because we give in to what people say. But when you say I am beloved and I'm accepted even when you don't accept me, I want you to accept me, but I get to a point where I know who I am in Christ that I don't need your acceptance to live. I don't need your acceptance to live. Now, listen, that may sound arrogant, but it's confidence. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Every one of you need to be confident, not in the outward exterior appearance of your body or your mind or whatever. You need to understand who you are to God, who you are to God, and it's freeing. I want you to, to lower the, the, the lights, and I want you to see this about a seven-minute video, and then we're going to pray. It's about a seven-minute video about three subjects that were, were given to change their identity. And I want you to see how God responds. Three students are given the chance to change who they are. take part in a new experiment that will give them a new identity. But in order to embrace something new, they must leave who they were behind. What's going on? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember who I am. What are you talking about? That makes like zero sense. Uh, my name, I can't remember it. Do you remember yours? Of course I do. It's... I don't know my name. What's, what's going on? My name is Dr. Frost. I believe I can offer some light on your situation. You three have volunteered for an experiment. It is a chance to actually change 
your identity, and ultimately become the person you always wanted to be. What's the catch? No catch, subject one. You get what you want, a new identity. That doesn't make sense. I mean, you don't get something for nothing. Very observant, subject three. All you have to give up is everything about who you were. Imagine fitting in, not feeling like the outcast, a trendsetter, an influence, the one everyone wants to be like, that superstar athlete that you've always wanted to be, having your school, your team look up to you. It is a gift to you. We remake you into the person you've always wanted to be. It sounds amazing. Before we begin, I'm going to go over some rules. The device on your wrist holds your old identity. Once you decide to replace it, plug the device into the computer and become a new you. What happens to the old us? It's gone, forgotten. I, I, I can't remember it already. Your old identity has already been downloaded into the device. You have to choose to remove it completely. Let me see who I was. I'm not here, subject one. This is just a hologram. My role is to only assist you as you embrace your new identity. This is too weird. I don't think I can do this. But you have to. You signed up for it. To become the new you, just sign on the dotted line. As you can see, you already took your first step to your new you. Well, this sounds too weird. Do you want to go back to your old life? I don't really remember what that is. I'll show you a glimpse. You can't do that. What's wrong with you? What are you hiding? Hey, hey, man, are you okay? Dude, you completely checked out. I don't know. <laughs> That was pieces of the life you want to leave behind. What did you see? I felt alone. And, and, and awkward and uncomfortable. That's why we're going to let you have a new life. One where you will blend in. Join the crowd. Dr. Frost, what was I hiding? I can't tell you. That's a risk you'll have to take. Please, upload your identity. I, I don't think I want to. Hurry up and do it. It, it just seems wrong. Let me show you what you want to leave behind. I hate the way I feel. I, I feel different. I don't fit in. Kids think I'm different because I'm a Christian. I want a new identity. An identity without God. Your belief in God made you stand out, not fit in. Just upload that worthless identity and you'll be free. You won't need to hide anymore. I'm not hiding anything. You're getting upset. Imagine everyone knowing that you get your identity in God. What would they think? You don't know what you're talking about. Afraid your friends would tease you, subject one. 
that's why you hide. I just don't want to stand out. Imagine being free, no rules, nothing holding you back. You can fit in. No, I want to keep my identity. Why are you fighting the doctor? Because it's a mistake. I can't let my identity go. But it makes you afraid. Well, I don't care. What are you doing? I'm keeping my identity. God made me, and he made me who I am. Oh, this, this is a bad deal. If I, if I give up God, I give up everything. I give up my ability to do anything. What is it, subject three? Well, I mean, isn't God the center of everything? I have a question. If I give up God, what else do I lose? According to my data, your emotions. You won't feel sadness, pain, or happiness. Well, I don't want to lose those. But think of what you'll gain. You'll never care what others think. You won't hurt. I don't know, it just feels wrong. But the pain, the awkwardness, you want that to go away, don't you? Not at the cost of losing who I am. I, I won't give it up. I, I just need to embrace it. I need to not be afraid anymore. But I can take away your fear. God already did. He is the creator of everything, and he does it for free. Yeah, yeah, I can blend in, but God gave me an identity in who I am. And what is your identity in? God. So be it, subject one. That's not my name. My name is Donovan. He remembered his name. He's making a foolish choice. You can take away everything about me, but you can't take away what God created me to be, my real identity. It's up to you now, subject two and three. What will you do? Rusher. Goodbye, subject one. No, I'm not leaving. I, I know your game. I'm not going to let you brainwipe these two. Why don't you sleep on it? You don't want to make a hasty decision. Okay, wait. Tell us who we can. I want you to stand up. Praise the Lord. Come on, let this sink in. I want everyone to stand up. I want you to lift up your hands as a child of God, and I want you to ask God to renew your identity. Maybe you can relate to the message, or maybe you can relate to the video. Let me tell you, we, we're going to be going to let you go in a couple minutes, but I don't want to take this time. I want to take this time to offer you to renew your mind on how you see yourself. And to renew your mind that you are not the sum of experiences of your dad leaving you or your mom abandoning you. You're not the sum of your work experiences. Your failures in your job or your ministry does not define you. Your weight does not define you. Your vocation does not define you. You are a child of God and you are more than conqueror all the time. So I want you to lift up your hands before we leave. Come on, just give me a two or three minutes and I'll dismiss you. But I want to offer prayer to those who are feel bound because of the fact that you're getting your identity by society or you're subliminally getting your identity by your failures or you're getting your identity by what you feel you need to become but God is freeing you this morning he's bringing freedom to say you are my beloved and if you can't release that you'll realize that nobody could take away your joy nobody could take away your freedom and nobody could take away what they did not give to you lift up your hands right now come on 
We're going to say this to the Lord. He is good all the time. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.